Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Shay. And Shay was in a toxic marriage with a subtle abuser. It's a story of slow burns, neglect, infidelity, and alcoholism. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This is a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning in to this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. And now, if you have not been to our website recently at NarcissistApocalypse.com and you want to be a guest on our show, top of the page, there is a button that says Guest Form. Fill out that button after you press that button, and away we will go from there. A lot of people have been asking, like, how long is the wait to, to be on the show? And it's really not uh, as long a, a, as you think. We record a lot of episodes during the week. Not every episode makes it to air. So keep on sending those uh, uh, stories in and we will, you know, the more stories we have, the, the, the better. So keep on sending them in. And if you do not want to uh, be a guest on our show in that way, but still want to be part of the show, we have our Letters to My Narcissist compilation episodes. And for that, you can go to NarcissistApocalypse.com. On the side of the page, there's a floating button that says send voicemail. If you press that button, it records up to five minutes. Press it twice, records up to 10 and so on and so on and so on. We were we are accumulating letters for my Letters to My Narcissist, Volume 6 episode. And if you do not want to read the letter yourself, please email us at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com. Put letters, in, letters to My Narcissist in the subject line, and me or my old pal, Melissa, will read the letter for you. And now, before we begin, we have a Patreon, everyone. If you want to support the show, Become a patron of our Patreon. We have episodes that never made it to air. We have follow-up episodes with former guests. We have other episodes that, you know, um, are, are in the narcissist realm, a high-conflict people realm. We do some pop culture stuff on there as well, too. And, 
you know, we also have online support groups there. We have virtual support groups. We have our support forum. And that's at patreon.com slash Narcissist Apocalypse. If you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash Narcissist Apocalypse. And before we begin, um, I think I've said that twice now. I'm not sure. I don't remember. Um, we are starting ads. So you're going to start hearing ads on the show, uh, at the beginning before the episode starts. And I think this week you will start to hear once it happen in the middle. Hopefully they do not annoy you that much. Things are kind of rolling out. There will be, uh, ad free shows, uh, in the future. I just have to do all of the work to, to get that done. And now when it comes to this episode specifically with, Shay, I just want to say a big thanks to Shay. You know, uh, Shay didn't think her story was worthy of being on the show, and everyone's story is worthy of being on the show. And we've had a lot of episodes that were um, a lot of physical abuse uh, lately, and, and, and really, really heavy, and a lot of hoovering, and, and all these types of things. And you know, sometimes abuse is is subtle, and it's uh, slow burns, and that's what this episode is. And you know, I think most people that are listening to the show are in this kind of slow burn category, trying to figure out what is going on and, and what is not going on. Uh, is this really happening? Are these really patterns of abuse? So thank you uh, to Shay for um, being on the show and helping us point all of these little things out. So now without further ado, here is my episode with Shay. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Shay. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing good. We talked for a while. We got to know each other, swapped some stories. And, you know, we discussed one thing uh, beforehand, which is, you know, what is a worthy story to be on the show? And, you know, what I had to say about that was everyone's story is worthy. You know, we're here to help educate people. We're here to, you know, not every story is, you know, uh, has physical abuse. Not every story has uh, tons of hoovers back and forth. Some stories are, you know, are subtle. And, you know, a lot of people here are dealing with really subtle abuse. So, you know, for people who are listening, you don't have to have, you know, these, you know, all of these, you know, things happen and tons of drama, boom, 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 mm-hmm. uh, to, to be on the show. And, you know, this is going to be a good episode to point out all of these little things, all of these subtle things, because these are the things that happened to you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just happy you're here. We're going to, we're going to help a lot of people. You're going to help a lot of people by telling your story. So thank you for being here, Shay. And I just want to say the floor is now yours. Okay. Thank you. And I, I also just want to say, I'm sure like many of the guests do that. I appreciate this podcast and I've learned a lot from everyone's stories and my story might not have all the boom, boom, boom and drama that you mentioned. Um, but I do hope that, um, that your listeners also see that it is that some of the small things that occur over a period of time, I like to compare it to I guess when you put a frog in boiling water, but the water, it goes like really slow. So it takes a while for that frog to realize it's being cooked. So um, anyway, but I guess I'll start with just the, my childhood, I guess, which is kind of how everyone else starts with their story. I had a great childhood. 
I had, you know, great fun memories uh, with family, and I had lots of friends growing up. I grew up in a uh, small town outside outside of a very large town in Georgia, and everyone knew everyone. Um, but it was still big enough to, it was it it was a big town. It just wasn't a big metropolitan city. Um, but we, you know, everyone knew my family, and everybody treated me nice because I had a family that was well known in the community. Um, my dad was a very popular man in the in the town, and um, uh, everyone, like I said, everyone knew him, and he was very busy. Uh, so he was not as home or not home as often as I think my mother would have liked. But I don't think it was a huge deal for any of of. of of us kids and my family consisted of an older brother and a younger brother. So I, you know, my brothers and I, and I had boy cousins. And so I was like the only girl. So I obviously was got picked on and, but it was all in good fun. And, um, I grew a very tough skin by my upbringing, just hanging out with a bunch of guys all the time. Um, I did date a lot. I, I loved high school. Um, I loved college too. Went to college and had a great time. Was in a sorority. Um, also had, um, I dated a lot in college. And, you know, I had a really, I would say overall, like really good childhood and college life. Um, so I, um, anyway, so that was that. I, I met my ex husband, um, actually on a blind date, but it wasn't from mutual friends setting us up. It was, um, I, uh, was in a sorority in college and my roommates had a date with a guy in another college and, uh, but it was an hour drive and she didn't want to go there alone. So she, you know, she asked if I would come along with her to ride to the other school and go on the date and that she would set me up with someone. And I was like, uh, I don't know. I didn't really want to do that. Um, I, whatever. I just was like, whatever, but I didn't, she was really persistent that I come with her and I did, I didn't want her to go alone. Um, so I went with her. So this was just by chance. Uh, we walked into that college's fraternity house to meet her date and he had my ex with him and we, you know, we all four went on a date and that's how we met. We would have never, ever met each other had I not gone with my girlfriend. So it was just by coincidence and chance that I met him. The first date wasn't like stars and it wasn't love at first sight or anything, but he was really funny. And I do find that very attractive. Uh, he was already graduated. I still had two more years left to go. I was a, a, a ending sophomore and he was already graduated from his school. And, um, I didn't think anything would come of it. I thought he was a funny guy, but that was that. Um, but something did come from it. Obviously I ended up marrying him, but we ended up seeing each other again and again and again. And it was long distance. Um, I still had two more years of school and he was about to be, you know, out finding his real, you know, corporate job, um, which he did. So, Anyway, it was a long-distance relationship, and I think that hid a lot of things because I wasn't with him every day or every night. Uh, we loved the weekends that we got to see each other, and it was like every other weekend. Um, he was charming. He was fun. And here's the difference. The guys that I dated in my college, I mean, 
we were all broke college kids. You know, we are going to eat at the chicken shack. My ex was a college graduate. He had a real job. He was whining and dining me in the nice restaurants of the big city. Um, I liked that at the time. Um, and so it was easy to enjoy dating him. It was, it, he was funny. He, he, he showed that he was interested in me. Um, he was smart, um, took me to, to eat at a place that was more than, you know, a dollar 99 for a basket of chicken. You know, it was nice. He treated me like a woman. And I like that. And so as the two years went by and I ended up um, graduating, I, I, also, I had aspirations of working in radio and TV. And my degree was in communications. And I got a job working in radio in um, North Carolina. So I left. And that is where my ex was working. Um, I also got an opportunity to work in uh, another state. But I chose to go and live with my ex because it's an opportunity for me to get to work in radio, radio and TV and an opportunity for me to live under the same roof as my boyfriend. So I'm going to stop you right here just to kind of you know point out that because it was a long distance relationship and you guys aren't seeing each other on an everyday basis or anything like that, there's, you know, there's no way here that his, uh, mask is going to slip. He doesn't have to have right. the mask on a lot. You know, he has to play whatever part he's playing on the day he sees you uh, on the phone calls, which might be very quick during the day. You know, he just it's it's very easy to uh, hide in the long distance of what your real personality is, or at least keep it up for a solid year. Would you say? Mm-hmm. Oh no, it was. It was a solid two. It was a solid two years. Yes. So you have two years here of him being able to keep the character going without uh, right. breaking it. And in the meantime, you know, I'm, I've met you know met his family. He had a very well. He has a very large family. He and, and and it's funny. He's the last. He's the fifth of five kids, and he is the golden child. And so he could do no wrong. And. Um, but I couldn't understand. I love his family, but I couldn't understand why everyone hated their mother, the mother. I, I thought she was a wonderful woman. And so I always found it like they were mean, like all the siblings, all his siblings were very mean. So whenever we would go over for dinners or whatever, I was excited. Like I loved the family he has. And, but I'm like, why is everybody so mean to the mom? Like I thought that was really disrespectful because I, I just didn't understand at the time, but I bring that up because there's more to it down the road. But anyway, um, you're right though. It was easy for two years to keep the mask on. And for those two years, uh, was there any mirroring of your likes or dislikes or was there a future kind of being promised? Okay. So, and that's the funny thing. There's no, Okay, remember I mentioned then that my upbringing with all the guys, like all my cousins and, and brothers, I have this tough skin and everybody kind of picks on me or whatever and it's a joke and it's funny. But he always picked on me. He's like, you're so, from such a small town. It's a one, one horse town. Or, and I was like, it's not though. Like, there's no, 
Like, show me where there's horse farms in my town. Like, he made fun and belittled where I was from. And I never understood, why are you making fun of where I'm from? I mean, I don't know. I just, it was, it was a joke that I never saw humor to. And I just kind of was like, okay, whatever. You know, he was from the big city and I was from a town outside of that city. But it was always, but he never married me. He never, he never, he always pointed out kind of like, for instance, we would go during those two years and, and, and we would go skiing, snow skiing. I had never snow skied. And he had. And I remember, you know, I caught on quick. I was a decent athlete. And we went skiing in Colorado with his friends. So it was already awkward. Like I was meeting the friends and all this stuff. And, um, you know, we were at the top of the mountain on a on a, on a uh, skill set that I had not done. So any skiers that are listening, it's like a black. You know, this isn't like a bunny slope. And I'm like, okay, this is really high. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it down. And um, I told him, I said, hey, just, I know you're, you know how to ski. I was always very respectful. I said, I know you want to go down a little faster than me, but could you stop, kind of go down a little bit and stop and wait for me and let me get down. And then we'll go down a little bit more. We kind of do it together, but I'll let you go ahead. Just don't leave me. Oh, he'd leave me. And I remember many times kind of crying, going down the mountain, going like, what am I doing with this guy? Like, he's not, he's, he's, it's kind of, that's kind of mean. It was almost like he took, he thought it was funny that I was like the least skilled skier of the group. And he was going to like make me, I don't know. I felt like it was purposely done. And of course I was just kind of like, you know, that kind of was like hurt my feelings. Like, I understand you want to ski, but. Like you brought me here and I kind of never skied before and I think I'm doing a pretty good job, but it would be nice if you would, you know, I don't know. I, it was, but it was little bitty things like that that happened. And I would think, is it me? Am I being too sensitive? So I just would drop it. And, um, so no, there was no, I mean, he, I don't think he ever really wanted to mirror me at all. I think he wanted me to mirror him which I think is kind of an opposite thought process, but I think he wanted me to be like him. He was trying to get me to be, you know, I don't know, more like him. I don't know. So, um, but anyway, uh, and there's plenty of little examples along that line. But when, when I started to live with him, and again, the living arrangement, my parents were not happy with because I was not engaged. I've got the Southern values and, you know, my dad was not happy with that. Um, and, you asked about, you know, future promises or whatever. I had dated him for like two and a half years before I moved in. Now I'm a college graduate. Now we're living together. We lived together for two years. And then at that, I was cool about it because we're both working and he's traveling all the time. He's gone all the time. I'm working hard. I thought, okay, these are the years that we're just going to be trying to get our careers going. I'm not going to pressure about getting married. But after about two years, so now we're at four years. I was like, look, I don't want to pressure you, but we, but I, I, you know, we, we, I really want to talk about this because we're now kind of pushing our mid, well, he's older than me, but I was like, I'm pushing mid twenties. We've been together four and a half years. I'm living with you. And he's like, look, I love you. I want to marry you. Just not now. 
And I was kind of devastated by that because I'm like, okay. And he's like, I've got to get, I want to be able to have a good savings to get you a ring. I want to have a good savings to get on a good, have a good honeymoon. I'm not there financially yet. And it made sense. I'm like, okay. And he's like, I just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, but I just am not ready now. So in that two years that you are living with him, is there anything out of the ordinary that is happening besides the putting you down for uh, where you come from? Yeah, like just, no, I mean, maybe, um, no, because again, and I got to think for a second, but he was gone. Okay, so I know it's so weird to think, but early starting his career, he is career oriented and I was admired that. And I never wanted to stand in his way, but he was traveling 60% of the time. So again, I felt like, I felt like I was up there living with my boyfriend, but I really had the place to myself because he was only there again for like weekends or maybe one week out of the month kind of thing. It was still the mask was on. Yes. He would pick here and there. Like if, but but I don't recall the living situation where there was a whole lot of picking on me. I do remember the one thing. We went out one night and had some drinks or whatever, and we um, we get in the car. Um, he drives us. He said he was okay. We get pulled over. He gets – I'm scared. Like So I've been drinking, but I'm not drunk. I remember every minute of this night – I've never, because remember, I grew up like a small town. Everybody knew me. I knew I, if a police pulled me over, it would be all over with. Like the whole, my dad would know and everything. So here, here's the police. I've never been pulled over. Like I'm thinking, oh my gosh. And I knew that I had been drinking. Um, and I apologize to viewers that this is traumatizing to know that, you know, you got in the, I got in the car with someone who had been drinking. But again, I'm young and, and I wasn't, whatever. It's, it's. I'm glad we got pulled over. I'll say that. But we get pulled over. They, the police officer, you know, talks to me for, gets my ex out. He blows. He's over. They put him in the back of the cop car. So now he's got a DUI. I was scared straight at this. I'm a, I'm a straight and narrow person. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my life. Like what is, I cannot believe I put myself in this situation. I'm going to probably get, I didn't know. I was like, I'm probably going to get in trouble. Like I, was so scared. The police officer said to me, you know, young lady, you should not be with this person driving like this. You should have made a better decision, blah, blah, blah. And I agreed. And then, um, he said, what I will do, we're going to, we're going to drive his car into this parking lot and leave it. And then you and I, we're going to go drop off your boyfriend at the station because he's got a DUI and I will drive you home. This is back in the early nineties. I don't know if they still do that anymore. I don't know. Because driving home with a police officer, I don't know. And this is like 1 a.m., uh, a male police officer. and But that's what happened. But on the way home, he's oh, – oh, we get in the car. So my ex is in the back, handcuffed. I'm in the front. And now we're driving him to the police station. And my ex is completely rude, saying things like, you're you know, cussing at him. I'm going to pee in your car. I mean – the things coming out of his mouth, I was like, I, I can't believe I'm with this person. This is a side I've never seen. Now, I know he's been drinking and he's, you know, drank a lot, but I was embarrassed and, and horrified at his behavior. 
Because I don't know. I would hope maybe you just, you, you're like, yes, sir, kind of thing. Oh, no, he was terrible to this police officer. And I was embarrassed. And I thought, I don't know. I don't know what I, what is, I, I, this is a side I've never seen. Anyway, anyway, so police officer takes me home. Um, uh, I was told I could pick him up the next morning, but remember, like, you know, and I, anyway, I had to go get his car. Anyway, so I call a coworker to come get me, uh, that works with my ex to go pick up my ex at the station or whatever. And the coworker that works with the, with, with my ex said to me, why are you with him? He's not a good person. And I thought that was interesting because he said, you seem like a nice girl. Why are you dating him? And this is one of my ex's coworkers. And I said, I, you know, I've been with him for four years. And this coworker is like, I, you shouldn't be with him. And I just blew that off. So I think other people saw things in him that I did not see. And the DUI thing, I know people can say, oh, well, when you're drunk, you say things. And I know that, but I was... I just couldn't believe the disrespect he showed to this police officer. And I was like, I, I don't know. That was the big thing that I saw. And then that coworker saying that I shouldn't be with him and all this stuff. But anyway, so, you know, the two, the, the four years go and, and all I know is that he, um, traveling a lot. Uh, and then I could tell him something happened with his mood, um, where he just seemed unhappy. And I questioned, is it, is it me? Is it your job? You were working all the time. You're traveling all the time. You know, what's going on? And he basically said, I just think maybe we should, we should break up. I was shocked. I felt like the rug was pulled out from under me. I, I, he said, it's, he goes, I'm going to be traveling a lot. I feel bad that you're here all the time alone. Um, I just, I just, I, he goes, I, it's, I'm not seeing anyone else. I, I, I still want to date you. I, 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 I just not where I want to be, you know, cause by this time he was out of school for, you know, for four years or whatever. I was out of school for two and, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just not where I want to be. And I figured with the DUI and all that, you know, I just figured, okay, I'm, I'm going to move. I, so I got a job back in Georgia and moved. And, um, he stayed up in North Carolina and, uh, I kind of was like, I don't, I'm going to date other people. We're gonna, I just, anyway, we, he called me, we still went out occasionally and, uh, you know, we still dated and, um, you know, it, that was a defining moment in my life where maybe I, I don't know, I invested and somebody else on your, on your podcast had said this, that they invested so much time with this person that it was like they felt like they didn't want to start over again. And I hate to say that, but after five years of with this person and their family and their friends and just, just, I, I almost, I was already like 25 ish at the time. I just was like, do I want to start over? Cause I, I just was like, he's not a bad guy. Just he needs to get straight. So, um, anyway, so that, that kind of was the early years and, um, there's a lot of stories in there, but I'm, I'm fast forwarding because we did marry and that's when I, you know, other things started to occur. So when you are in that somewhat broken up stage, uh-huh. but somewhat dating, you're again, then dating long distance. Is that correct? Uh-huh. That's right. Okay. So you're dating again, long distance he is working on making his life better work-wise and all of these other things. 
you're behind him 100%. You know, so far, as far as, so far in your story, you know, a big part here is you want to see him succeed. Right. And you're his big cheerleader right. on helping yeah. him succeed. And part of him succeeding is part of, uh, you know, you being a team and, you know, you doing your part, your part as a dutiful um, partner because that's what partners are supposed to do. Right. And so that's like your belief system and that's running you in a big way. And because you put so much time into this situation so already and you're still connected to each other, your bond is strong in the sense of, you know, we're a team, we're going to do this together, we're, you know, um, you know, our successes are your success is my success. My success is your success. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, but at the same time, as far as feelings are going and, um, wants and needs, his needs are ruling the roost over yours. Is that fair yes. to say? Oh yeah. Perfect. So, yeah. you know, all of the decisions right now that are being made really have, None of your feelings, your uh, wants or your needs in in his mind or his concern at all. It is only one-sided. Right. And at your age, as you know, you're, you're, you know, the funny thing is, you know, you've been dating for so long, you want to get married, you know, from wherever you're from, getting married at 25 is normal. Um, or 24, 23, some places it's, it's different, but you know, you're still at a certain age where it, being 25 years old, these are things you're not going to recognize that this is what's That's going right. on. You know, you're not recognizing mm-hmm. that all of his motives are completely selfish and one-sided and only about him. Whereas your motives are, I want something for me, but I also want something for them. And you have two people in mind. And that's a difference here right now in, in a lot of these relationships and difficult for people to see a, a lot of the time because you're so far deep into it is that the motives are different and his are just purely on uh, him at this moment. And so now I just wanted to point that out for everyone. And before we continue and hear what Shay has to say, here is a message from our sponsor. And we are back from the break. And now Shay is going to continue to discuss what it was like after uh, having a long distance relationship with her ex. You know, when I left to go up there, I had a couple friends like, oh, I don't think you should go unless you're engaged. It's good old Southern kind of thing. And so I had to come back with the tail between my legs. Like, no, we didn't get engaged. In fact, we're, we're breaking up. Like, it was just, it was fine. I would say I was embarrassed. But at the same token, I was like, I was like, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure out. We're, we're, we're still going to date. And I don't, it just looked, whatever. I, I felt, I felt foolish. But I still loved him and I cared about him and I wanted whatever it was for him to figure out the career and like what was going on. And his travel was crazy. There was a truth to it. I spent more time by myself than I did with him when I was living up there. So I, I, that's how I said it to myself that I 
deserve to be around my girlfriends and, 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 um, uh, I don't know, around people. My family's in Georgia and up in North Carolina, I didn't have a lot of girlfriends. I didn't have any family. So in my wet, I'm like, you know, he is gone a lot. This is probably going to be good for me to, to have my family and friends closer by. And, you know, um, and this was during, you know, the Atlanta, the Olympics came. So it was a fun time to live in Atlanta and, uh, we had, it was a great time. So I was there and, um, lived with a girlfriend and had a bunch of girlfriends from college around me. I just had a good time. Those were great times. And I don't think he liked that in a way. Um, and so, uh, you know, we still, he would come into town. We would go out on dates. His family would still invite me to dinners. I would go up and have dinners with his family and, uh, would say they would go, you know, what's gone like, yeah, we're, we're still dating, but just decided not to live together kind of thing. So it's kind of awkward, but anyway, um, so basically then I decided after this went on for about a year. So now we're dating long distance again for a year and we've been dating, you know, we've been dating and you know, five and a half years now. And I made up my mind. I never told a soul, but in my mind, I said, Okay, um, I am going to break up with him because I've given him five over five years of my life, and I think I'm just going to break up because obviously he's noncommittal. He's noncommittal, so I'm just going to break up with him. But but the holidays were coming up. It's not that I wanted gifts. I just wanted to have a chance to say my goodbyes in my head. I wanted to have Thanksgiving and Christmas. And his family had been so kind to me, and I just, I wanted to go through the holidays. And then my thoughts were, um, you know, at the beginning of 1996, I guess. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, whatever year that was, I was kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to start a brand new year and be, be single. But I didn't tell anyone that. And um, so that Thanksgiving... And it was, it was Thanksgiving of 96. So this is so, so Thanksgiving of 96, he proposed to me. I had no freaking clue. I was shocked. I was stunned. Didn't even, there was no, there had been no ring talk, ring shopping, nothing. I mean, not, no talk of engagement, nothing. I, I, I was kind of like out of left field, kind of like hyperventilated. I never saw it coming. In fact, I was getting ready to break up with him. But he didn't know that. I mean, you know, I didn't tell anyone. So it's not that he found out and then did that. I mean, so we got engaged. And um, and then all of a sudden, it was like, when can we get married? And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Like, I'm going to plan. I'm going to plan. It's going to take a while to plan the wedding and all of that. It was almost like once he proposed, he wanted to get married like two months later or three months later. I was like, it's going to take probably six, seven, eight months to get it planned in a large city. Um, and... Um, And so, yeah, we did get married um, at the end of summer of 97, and it was a beautiful wedding. It was exactly what I wanted. All my friends were bridesmaids. All his friends were groomsmen. We had a live band playing. It was a great wedding. Uh, I had great memories of uh, down to the last flower. It was was perfect, and that's a beautiful memory for me. So we get married, and then um, we end up living um, in Atlanta, and... um, but, but soon after, you know, he's like, he has a job opportunity in, in Tennessee. 
And so then that means I have to kind of leave my job. And now we're going to move to Tennessee for his job. Okay, that's fine. We moved to Tennessee. And we're in Tennessee maybe, I think it was like 18 months. But then he gets another job situation in Colorado. So now we're going to move. I have to leave my job. I mean, now, so it's like my career, there's no, it's a joke. Because now I'm leaving. I'm leaving. doesn't matter if I love my job. I'm going to leave my job again and go to Colorado for his job. Again, meeting his needs. But he made more than me. And so, you know, it made sense, I guess. So we go to Colorado. And we were there for three years. Um, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that very much. The people that he worked for, um, let's just say I could tell it was a small company. And so everybody was friends with their, or, you know, everybody was friends with everybody, so to speak. Um, and I could tell that they kind of didn't really like him that much. It just did something I picked up on. I don't know. They, they, they tolerated him. Um, my ex is a smart person, but he knows it, and he will tell you. And he will walk in a room, and he will immediately size you up and know that, you know, he's the smartest person in the room. I heard that a hundred times, more than a hundred times. Um, and he will say things like, that dipshit, I could do his job blindfolded. And, you know, that dipshit shouldn't be an officer of a company. He's an idiot. I, could, I would be better than that. I mean, so it was always cutting on someone else or whatever. So in this time from move to move to move, what is your home life like during that time? Like what okay. is, is going on yeah. within that, that, you know, so, is there yeah. value? Like, are you being put down? Uh, all those things. Yeah. I mean, I mean, again, traveled like nobody's business. I thought to myself as a newlywed, I'm thinking, is this how it's going to be? Like, I'm sad. Like I'm lonely. I'm in Nashville, and I am by myself all the time. He's gone all the time. Our first anniversary, I planned it, and I was so excited. And we were on a dinner train, and the dinner train, the, the caboose, or I don't know about the caboose, but the engine, whatever. Some part of the train derailed. So now we're stuck. And they opened up the, they had a, like a live singer playing like 80s music, and they opened up the bar for everybody, and I was like, we're going to make the best. This is funny. It's our first anniversary. Like, you can, you got to laugh. Like, this is hilarious. Like, we're stuck. You know, we're stuck somewhere on a train, but we're, we got a free bar and 80s music. Like, come on. That's awesome. And I'm embracing it. Like, I'm having a good time. And he's just, like, sitting there. And I thought, this is funny. Why would you not find this funny? Like, it's funny. You know? And this music's great. But, you know, it was, he, it, it I just thought that was weird. And the fact that I planned our anniversary because he was not in town to do it, meaning, like, he couldn't prep, like, do any of the pre-planning. I looked it up and tried to figure out something fun for us to do. And um, it made me kind of sad, you know. The one thing I will tell you, I forgot to say this. You asked about home life. I'm going to go back just a minute when we were living together because I let this out. This is crucial. He was always a drinker, as you know, with the DUI. I know that could be a one-time thing, but he always was a drinker. I remember in North Carolina, um, we went to have Easter with friends of our, of, of, of people that we knew. And it's a Sunday, of course. And, you know, I have to go to work the next day, and so does he. 
but he's drinking. I have like maybe one drink, at, at maybe one glass of wine or whatever. I was being careful because I got to go to work the next day. I'm responsible. And also, too, uh, I learned my lesson when I was, when he got the DUI, you know? And um, I thought he would learn his lesson. And so I ended up always being his designated driver all the time. Whenever we went out, I was the driver. So really, I didn't drink. I kind of quit drinking. And he drank. He drank enough for both of us because he would never, whenever we ever went out for any event, um, that DUI said it set something in me that I never wanted to be in that situation again. And um, uh, I, I grew up. He never did. So it's like that Easter, he's drinking, whatever. We go home. I drive us back. Uh, again, this is when we were living together, so before we were married. And um, I, we, we go, and it's late. It's like late on a Sunday. It's like 8 o'clock. But he's going to open up the cooking wine that sits on top of the fridge. It's like warm. It's like nasty wine that you would only cook with. You wouldn't drink it. But he's going to drink it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, it's 8.30. You're drinking that at 8.30. And he's like, well, I don't want to lose my buzz. He thinks it's funny. And I'm like, what is, what's wrong with you in my head? You know, so fast forward during the early years of marriage and everything, you know, whenever he was home, he would always be drinking. He was never, he would, but he would just go to sleep. He wasn't a mean drunk. He was never mean to me. He just would zone out. And again, I felt neglected. So I'm like, not only are you gone all the time, when you're home, you're drinking. It makes me feel like you have to drink to like be with me. You know, I felt that way. So you said something I found interesting. I wrote it down, which is the two words, designated driver. Mm -hmm. And in these early years, as he was before you got married, he's traveling all the time. Mm -hmm. So if we were to kind of take a step back here and look at maybe what he might be thinking or the thought process in his head of getting married or asking you to be his wife, knowing he's going to be traveling all the time and depending on laziness or anything like that, I don't want to be rude as far as, you know, how you feel about your relationship and like what it means to you. But were you a designated driver, you know, what was, you know, his intention is like, you know, I'm going on these trips anyway. If I come home, there'll be someone there. So I'm not lonely or by myself. Yeah. You you are, you're filling that supply time when he needs it, but when he's away, he's away. And essentially you're his designated driver. You know, you're the one driving the car while he's out partying and doing whatever he wants. And when he comes home, he's still partying, but you're still the one driving that car. Yeah. And it just sounds like, you know, like in the early parts here, like, was this his intention always? Was he, or was he even conscious that's what he was really doing? Um, Like, as far as, you know, the intention of why he would ask you to marry him, uh, and then just disappear. Yeah. Like I, 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 you know, good. Those are good points. Um, and I, and now looking back, um, you know, I think I always was a designated driver and, and maybe that was his intention. 
to always have someone because um, you also notice too that there was never quiet in the house, meaning it was there was always TVs on. Like even if he was in the shower, he had to have the TV blaring. Um, it was almost like he didn't like to sit in silence. And I found that interesting, like sit around and read a book or something or, or, you know, just having a quiet house every once in a while. I get if there's a football game on or a basketball game and you want to, you don't want to miss any of it. You want to get in the shower. Like I understand stuff like that, but it, it, it was almost like he didn't like any quietness. He, he needed constant stimulation yes. from something. Right. And it didn't matter what it was and technically who it was. Uh, he just needed that stimulation, and at this point, you're of zero idea of what he really is or whatever is going to happen. Right, right. So, so I guess then we talked about home life. So then, you know, the drinking. I, you know, again, I can't believe I left that off because that really was. I, I, I just thought that's weird that he drinks so much when he's on the road and he's with customers, whatever. Okay, sure. But now he's home, you would think you want to detox a little bit. You know, I don't know. I just was always, I just thought that was, I don't know. And then we got older, a little bit older. Well, I, we did have a child in Colorado. And um, it was planned. She, she was planned and everything. We were excited. I thought, wow, this, this, and I did not, this was not to change him. This was our family starting. But in my head, I thought, wow, he's going to be a dad. Um this might, this might change him a little bit, you know, uh, and it didn't. I'll never forget, um, I had had her, she was, it was C-section. Uh, she was two weeks old, exactly. And some of the folks from his company were going skiing. It was a traditional ski trip that was taken every year. And the wives go, we all, you know, we go, now I just had this baby. And again, by C-section, um, I, I, I didn't want to go. I didn't want to carry a daughter to the ski slopes and she's two weeks old and I'm just trying to get her on schedule and the feeding and all of that. And I mean, I still wasn't hundred percent recovered and we argued about it. It was adamant that we we're going. He wouldn't take no for an answer. And I said, look, what's the problem? You can go on your own and have a better time without me. I mean, I'll stay here with our girl and I'm good. I don't, I I'm good. You only be gone for like three days. It's not a big deal. Um, go and have fun with your coworkers, and I'll stay home with the baby. I mean, I wanted to stay home. And he forced me. I mean, he was like, you're going. And I always thought that was odd. And I went with the newborn, had to pack up all the stuff. You know, I had to pack up, you know, place for her to, you know, pack and play for her to sleep in. I mean, she's a newborn. And as a new mother, I, and you know, driving on the icy roads to the ski. It just, I, I was like, why did he want me to come so bad? Because he was putting forth the perfect image. Look at us. And we just had a baby and now we're at the ski slopes and, you know, look at me. You know, I, I just thought that was so bizarre. You know, I mean, anybody there, in fact, the women there were like, they were shocked. I was there. They were shocked I was coming after just having the baby. Mm. So um, we were there, and then all of a sudden I find out we're now moving to Texas. Now, by that time, after having my child, I had quit my job. Now, remember, I had moved around so many times that 
had a decent career, but it was, I shouldn't say decent. I had jobs. I made money, but it was hop, hop, hop for me. And, um, you know, by that time it's like, uh, okay, I'm quitting. He's making good money at this point and I can stay home. And, um, which is what I did. And we now are moving to, to Texas and I was pretty sad. Um, I really liked where I was living and where we were living and everything. Um, he still traveled all the time. Nothing had changed, but now I had, I felt like now I had, I hate to say this, but I felt like now I had a buddy, my baby. You know, I felt like now I had, I don't know. I felt like now I had a purpose and, um, and, and I took it seriously. I was really excited, but I think he had some jealousy with her. Um, the attention that I gave her. Um, but, uh, anyway, we are going to Texas and it was supposed to be the company's idea because, you know, uh, the company needs to grow in Texas and we're going to Texas. I couldn't understand for the life of me why none of the people at work, you know, they were all kind of mad about it. And I thought that was weird. And we were all close knit or pretty close knit. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand why there wouldn't be a goodbye dinner. Like we were all going to cook out and have a dinner. Hey, let's say goodbye. These guys are moving to Texas to help our company. Like the company wants them to go. We're taking one for the team, but that wasn't it. I think my ex went in and kind of bullied his way to get to Texas because he didn't like living in Colorado. And he kind of, um, you know, like I said, bullied his way and made a good case about getting to Texas. And sure enough, they moved us to Texas. But let me tell you, six weeks after we got here, they fired him. So I think they were done with him and they moved him to Texas just to get him out. And they paid for the move and everything, but literally, like, why move someone to Texas if you're going to, I mean, like, they, then, then in six weeks, they, they fired him. So now we're in Texas with, with a almost two-year-old, and he doesn't have a job, and I don't have a job. You know, and I just thought that was really bizarre, you know. Um, I just found it, I, I, I thought, why would they fire you? Like this was supposed to be a move for the company. Like, so everything at that point, I'm thinking things are weird here. You know, this was portrayed as we're taking one for the company and moving and they want people and they want to have more presence in Texas, but that's not the case. Um, so I think he, 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 not the word, the word's not nag, but he just pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed to move. And they were like, okay, and we're going to move you and we're, we're done with you. I think it was a kind gesture on their part. They were a small, they were a small company, a family company. And I think it was a kind gesture to move us and then let him go. Because at that time, the market was a lot better in Texas anyway, than it was in the place in Colorado where we lived. I mean, there's more job opportunities in Texas than there were in Colorado. So I think they wanted to let him go, but they thought, We'll be kind and get him moved down there. And then he could find a job on his own down there. Um, I just found that really odd. And then during the time we were here, um, again, you know, he eventually found another job. Um, but he, it was, again, remember, it's all like, it's all this, all these moves. 
Okay. It's almost like he can't be happy for more than like three years. Like he gets bored. So I started noticing that. And then now, you know, obviously, um, um, you know, now he's been fired and he's got this other job and, um, and he's traveling a lot again, everything. And I've got the baby and, um, you know, he would go out of town and then say, well, okay, I'm gonna come home for like Friday, Saturday, but then I got to fly out again Sunday and then I'll be gone for two weeks. And then I'm like, when are you going to be here? And then if he's like, well, but I'm going to come back then that next Friday, but then I got a golf tournament on Saturday. I'll be gone all day. I thought to myself, like, this is miserable. And our, our baby's growing up. And, um, you know, I just thought like, is he ever going to slow down? And what person doesn't really want to kind of be with their little kid and their family? So, um, then there were, that's when I started to say, listen, you know, you're going to miss some things with her, you know, or can you, is there any way you can like slow down the traveling? And he would get so angry with me. He punched a hole in the wall over me asking if he could be home more. And that scared me. Like, I've never seen that kind of anger. I've never seen my, like, I've never seen anybody punch a hole in a wall. And another time he threw down a remote control up your TV, a remote control on a carpeted floor, and it broke. You've got to throw that remote control hard on a carpeted floor, floor for it to break. I, there were times I saw anger. I'm like, I, I, I don't know what I did. I don't know what I did to cause someone to punch a hole in the wall. So he, and, Sorry, so here... You have gone most of your marriage, you know, not putting up a stink about anything, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so much travel going on. You know, fights aren't really happening. You're not around each other enough for these things to happen. But eventually, you know, there's a lot of neglect going on. Everything is about, you know, his needs. And you just want some, you just want a morsel of something. And now you've asked for that morsel. And now the rage shows up. Yeah. And so this is when, you know, things, I guess, start to turn. Uh, You know, because earlier on in relationships, you know, the fighting might have happened earlier, but there wasn't a reason for that to happen in this one until. Now, and now when you do, here is the real guy. And before we continue and hear what Shay has to say, here is a message from our sponsor. And we're back from the break. And now here is where Shay is going to continue discussing seeing her abuser for who they really are for the first time. Yeah. And, but again, I'm thinking, first, I remember being scared to death with the whole thinking, oh my gosh, like, and, you know, then again, there was another time he got angry with me about the travel and he slammed his work laptop so hard it broke. I mean, these are things he's doing. Like, I, And he goes, you make me so mad. I'm like, I, what am I doing that's making you so mad? Um, you know, I, I, I started thinking like, what am I doing? Um, so, but in that period of time, you know, um, uh, you know, we're in Texas and, um, I get pregnant and it was planned. I mean, we wanted a second child and you're probably going, geez, cause the hole in the wall came 
with just the first child. So, you know, but here's the thing. Yes, I saw the rage, but then he'd travel and then he'd be kind of not, he'd be nicer. You know, it wasn't terrible all the time. Um, you know, so I get when people tell their stories, people say, how did you stay with that person? Because things happen and you think to yourself, well, maybe I'm overreacting. Um, maybe I read that wrong. And then you would have like a couple of nice weeks and then he'd be out of town for two weeks. And then, you know, maybe I, then he comes back and then it's like nice, but then he gets kind of mean at the end. You know, it, it's like little doses. And so, um, you know, have the second child, um, thrilled. Um, I thought he would be thrilled. It's, it's a boy and, um, thought he'd be thrilled because his namesake ends with him. And to have a son, that's, I thought he would love that. But he never, I never saw him cry tears of joy ever. And that's another important thing I want to say. I never saw any emotion from him. Like when the birth of either one of the children, I I mean, he was very attentive as newborns. Like I was impressed with him. He, he, he was uh, fed them and, you know, would help out with stuff like that. Like he was good when he was home. Um, but I, I, I just, I thought that this, we have this perfect family. He's now kind of an ex- an executive making good money, still traveling all the time though. We have its beautiful home, large home of two kids, healthy children, one of each. Um, we're in good health. We're in good shape. I mean, I hate to be this way, but I lost all my baby weight. I'm like now what I still weighed when I got married. I mean, it's not like I let any, it's not like I didn't care about my health. Um, everything's picture perfect. We drive nice cars and I just couldn't figure out what was wrong. Something's wrong. I didn't feel, I didn't feel loved. My children, I felt loved from. And, and I love my children fiercely because we became a, we became a network. It was the three stooges because he was never there. I fast forward many years and there's probably tons. I mean, I know there's tons of examples and I'll probably jump and share a few, but fast forward, um, you know, my children were in competitive sports. They were active in school. I was active as a volunteer. I did not work. I took them to all their activities they were, um, uh, you know, very active children, and I did all of it. Uh, competitive cheer, competitive gymnastics, competitive soccer, you know, baseball. I was at practices. I was at games. He wasn't there. Now, occasionally, on a Saturday when he was in town for soccer games, he would go because he liked soccer and he played it himself. Um, but, yeah, uh, again... It, um, with my daughter cheering, um, if it were evening games or whatever, he, if he was in town, he'd get off work, but he'd have to go. It was almost like there was a witching hour. He'd have to have a drink. Um, and so he couldn't sit at the games long because they don't sell alcohol games. And, um, you know, so it'd be like he'd come and leave at halftime or something like that. It, but he wasn't at much. And I just would say things to him like, you're missing out on the best parts, you know? And he would just like roll his eyes at me. And as far as like picking at me, 
um, none of my friends were good enough. And whenever I would go out with girlfriends, he would go, well, what did their husbands do? I'm like, I don't know. I don't ask them what their husbands do. Why would that be a topic of conversation? I'm out with my girlfriends. I'm not going to quiz every one of them about what their husbands do. But he thought that was important. And so whenever I had folks over to our home, uh, couples, he would size up the men and be like, yeah, they're, 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 they're boring. I mean, it was just, it, it, I, it was nothing. I, I wasn't, I felt like I wasn't good enough. And I always kind of felt that way. But then as the marriage went on, I really felt that way. Um, one quick story and I got, I got many of them and I don't want to take too long on this, but I won't forget this. My children were young. We were in Texas. I would guess their ages would be maybe, maybe, um, eight and eight and five or maybe, maybe seven and four, something like that. But my parents flew out to see us and my mother had just suffered a health issue. So it was a blessing that she was with us and it was right before the holidays and, um, I was thrilled to have my parents in the house and they, and by the way, he always made fun of my parents that they were too country and blah, 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 and losers and all that stuff. And that's the kind of stuff he would say. And I would go with him. Why are you cutting on my parents when you don't even really like your own mother? Like, and I don't know why you don't like her. Like, I don't like stop. I mean, you know, it's just every, everything that I think felt like I touched was not good. So I almost was kind of like, why are you even with me? But anyway, so it was that holiday season. They came out and this is when we was really popular, the Wii video game and the boxing game. Um, uh, my children were pretty good at it. We, we boxed a lot. We played with the Wii a lot. Um, and, uh, so we had a competition and everybody got to box and everybody, it was like a, it was like a elimination. So whoever won gets to play the winner of another game. So got down to, my son, who's like, you know, four or five at the time, and my ex. So it was a son versus dad championship. And we were all like excited. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so good because they're both really good. And I was cheering for both of them, you know, and we all were. But, you know, my son ended up winning. And it was amazing. Like, he's little, you know, and we were like, oh my gosh, like, that's great. Like, and I even said to my son, because I was careful with my ex's ego, I said, that was a big deal to beat your daddy um, because your daddy is really good. And, you know, I think I gave my son a high five, but I was like, that won't happen probably again. I mean, that's, that's, you need to know that that was a big deal because he's really good. And I, you know, I was really very cool about it. Uh, but we, we go to bed and he rolls over giving me the, the back and I'm like, Hey, are you Okay. And he says, I'm disgusted with the way you behaved tonight. I said, what did I do? I literally was thinking, oh my gosh, dinner. Okay. Conversation. I'm running my head through everything. And I didn't even think about the Wii game. And he said, I said, and I said, what did I do tonight? And he said, you don't know what you did. I'm like, no, tell me. And he wouldn't tell me. And then finally I'm like, please tell me what I did. How can I try to, resolve it or figure it out if you don't tell me. So he said that I showboated too much at the week and that, um, you know, congratulating our son too much. I was shocked. This is a grown man. You would think most grown men would let the little kid win anyway. 
Okay. Most grown men would let the little kid win because it's cute and nice. And that's what a grown man would do. He was ticked that I congratulated our son. I was shocked. I said, are you, I want to make sure I understand you right. Are you mad because your son beat you and we, and that we congratulated him on it? Is that what I'm hearing? And he said, yes. I go, I don't know what to say to you. I didn't think I congratulated him that much. I can't believe this. I was shocked. Grown man. But it was like he was a baby. And he was jealous. And that right there, I'm like, something is wrong. And I know that that was one example, but there were others. Because by this point, we've been married probably 12 years or so. And and I just like, and, and the drinking all the time, he vacations, just drinking many vacations where we would start off and he would, you know, he would bring, let's say we went to the beach. Let's just say he would have six, six, seven, eight beers. And then we'd go to the pool and he would drink his vodka tonics or whatever. And now we got to go to dinner. I'm going to drive because I hadn't been drinking. Okay. And I've got two kids. So it doesn't matter. I've, I've grown up. I'm not going to be drinking all day at the beach. And we're going to dinner, and he's now drinking all the wine. I thought, my ex-husband has drank beer, liquor, and wine. Like, he's non- he keeps going. I just thought that was weird. Do you feel at this point that you have three children, two younger yes. children, and an adult, or sorry, and a um, punk yeah. 17-year-old child yeah and i know this has been talked about i don't know if i've heard many of your um sessions on this but so imagine the intimacy okay so so he's gone a lot then when he's home and he's drinking so i mean just picture this you know you know we eat dinner um i'm cleaning up he has now been drinking through through pre-dinner dinner after dinner now he's passed out on the couch but he's sitting up with his arm, with his hand around a wine glass and his arms on the armrest. So he's sitting on the couch, but he's asleep. So now I come and get the wine glass out of his hand because I'm afraid it's going to tilt over and ruin our carpet, our rug. Turn off the TV and try to wake him and say, okay, ready to go to bed. I mean, you've been asleep for like two hours. And he argues with me. No, I haven't. I'm like, you have. You've been asleep for two hours. Well, I've been, you know. I've been upstairs with the kiddos. I've been cleaning. I didn't say that, but I mean, I timed it. It's like, he's asleep. Let me go hang out with the kiddos for a while. They're upstairs or whatever. And then, you know, everything's cleaned up. I'll go wake him up. So then I wake him up and, you know, he's argumentative with me saying he has not been asleep. I'm like, you have, I've, I, you started to go to sleep. You know what I mean? I was like, you have, I mean, why, who's our, who's sober here, you know? And, um, now he wants to. Be, have sex with me. And to be honest with you, sometimes, of course, I did just because I was trying to be, I felt like it was my duty, I guess. But sometimes, like, no, like, we haven't even talked all night and you've been asleep for two hours. And now you, you're, now, now, and then he pouts and he's mad at me, but it's like, it's like, you haven't even really talked with me. You've been gone and you haven't really talked with me and you've been asleep for two hours. And so we argued some about that. Um, and, um, 
you know, but I'm like, if you would just cut back on the drinking a little bit, because here's the deal. I don't want to have sex with someone who is drunk. It, it, it's not romantic for me. It makes me feel like you have to drink to have sex with me or you have to drink to tolerate me. And it makes me, it doesn't make me feel good. And I asked him, I was like, I don't mind you having a couple glasses of wine. I'm not trying to control that, but a bottle and a half, two bottles, three bottles, and then you want to have sex. Like, I'm sorry. I don't, it didn't feel, it didn't feel legit to me. I don't know any woman that just wants to have sex with her drunk husband. And she feels like there's a connection at that moment. There, there's not a connection. It was just the act. And I wanted a connection. And anyway, I don't know if you were going to say something. Okay. To that. So how, when you, you know, when you're voicing your opinion or you show you when you're voicing, you know, your uh, feelings, during something like this, how does he respond to that? Well, I mean, he, you know, he would get angry and pout and then I would feel bad. I'd feel really bad. And then I would say, I would, I, you know, either we'd go to sleep or whatever. And then, you know, there was never, he never changed. Like he never changed. And I, I would feel bad. I'm like, okay, I'm being like a bitch here. So, so when, so when, so when he would pout, it would put you on the back foot and become um, not defensive, but it, it would put you off balance. And then you care took his feelings over yours. And all of a sudden you feel like the bad guy and yeah. everything has been reversed on you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and there were times where, you know, of course, remember I said, you know, I did everything. So I did all the Christmas shopping and, and, and all the, Santa gifts and all of that stuff. And, um, I know that, um, one time it was a Christmas or whatever, and we go to bed and I had, Oh, I, let me back up. Yeah, it was Christmas. Sorry. I have two Christmas stories. I didn't want to get confused. It was Christmas. And we had, we had his, we had relatives in town, uh, for Christmas and the kids were little. And, um, I, when the kids go to sleep, then I would want to put out some of the Santa gifts and, um, he had been drinking. So he was on the couch and he was half asleep. And I said, hey, hey, wake up and help me, you know, with some of these Santa gifts before so we can go to bed. And my relatives were witnessing all of this and uh, his relatives they were his relatives. And he said, that's ridiculous. Can't we just I'm just I'm, I'm not going to do that. Or, you know, that's stupid. I'm not going to do that. I'm like, it's for the kids. Like it's Santa. And um, he's like, I'm so tired. I'm too tired to do it, meaning I'm too drunk to do it. Like I've been drinking all night. I'm too tired. I'm just going to go to bed. I'll wake up. We'll, we'll wait. You know, kids, when they're little, they get up early, like five, four, four, five, five a.m., six a.m. They get up early. And I was like, we can't risk getting up early to do this. Like, let's do it now. We can go to sleep and then it's there and it's magical when they wake up. And he's like, I don't want to be bothered with, like, I've been, I don't want to do it. I'm too tired. And it's almost like, it's Christmas Eve. You know we got to do this Christmas Eve. Like, then why did you drink so much? I didn't say that to him, but then the relatives stood in, and they felt really bad, and they helped me with everything. And there were so many holidays like that, like Easter. You know, I wanted to hide the eggs out, and he thought that was stupid. I'm like, I'm doing this for my kids, okay? These are our kids. I want them to have some of these traditions. And, you know, and he would just be drinking. He's like, I don't want to mess with that. 
it was stuff like that. And um, the other Christmas story was I did all the Christmas buying. I bought all the gifts for everybody. And, um, you know, he, we went to bed one night, uh, Christmas Eve, and he goes, well, what, did, what all did you get the kids? And I'm naming the stuff. And he goes, well, that's kind of shitty. These were his words. He said, so you didn't get them this and this. There are two items that I couldn't find, but here's the deal. Our kids were, our kids got everything they wanted. They weren't going to miss those two other items. And, you know, it, it wasn't a big deal. And I also think that it's good not to get every single thing on your list. Okay. It's good for them to have a little bit of understanding that you can't get every single thing you ask for, you know, for Christmas. And, um, I'm trying to teach my kids to understand the value of money from gifts as you know, and, uh, just know that in life, you don't get everything you ask for. So I didn't want my kids to be spoiled brats, but they got almost pretty much everything they asked for every year. But this year he questioned what I bought and he said, you have ruined Christmas. I'm like, what? Because I didn't get that one thing that our daughter asked for. And the one thing that our son asked for, it isn't a big deal. They got all the other stuff they asked for. And he's just like, you know, you ruin, you ruin all the holidays. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? If you wanted to shop, I go, I tell you what, next year you do all the shopping. Then you do it. If you don't like what I do, then you do it. So I heard stuff like that. And I'm sitting there thinking, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I mean, and I'll tell you that morning, I was already paranoid that I ruined it. But that morning was fantastic. They never asked ever for those, those, those items that I left off. Never. So here, you know, at this stage of your relationship, he does a little bit of gaslighting. You're arguing mm-hmm. a lot more. A big manipulation tactic of his is to kind of keep you off balance when he does his pouting. You then start to question yourself. Um, he is a snob. He is mm-hmm. very judgmental towards everything, not just you, everyone. Yep. He thinks he's better than everyone. Um, yeah. and you know, at this point, you know, are you, I guess, changing your behavior at all? So these things, uh, don't happen to trying to like, you know, not have this stuff occur before it does occur. Are you walking on eggshells in some yes. ways? So yes. can you tell so us like I, what yes. you're, can you tell us how you're self-regulating yourself? So yeah. cause these things are starting to pick up more and more and more as, as they this are. goes on. That's what I was going to say. So as years go on, it, they picked up more and more and he changed different jobs. So he would get in a job and wouldn't get the level that he deserved or he thought he, I'm sorry, that he thought he deserved and would quit. Or I'm sorry, he, yeah, he said, I found another job. There's other people recruiting me and I'm going to go, this is a better opportunity. But I'm thinking he, you know, I'm starting to put pieces together. But so meanwhile, he's going, you know, he'd stayed a job again every three, every three, four years, he'd have a job change and he would blame, you know, that guy's a loser that I work for. That guy's, you know, a dumbass. And, um, I, you know, it was things like that. So. But again, he's making good money and he's a good provider. Um, what I'm doing is trying to make his life the best that it can be. Um, I'm doing all the kids' activities. I do, you know, I'm basically the stay-at-home mom, so I do all of that. He doesn't have to worry about any of that. Um, 
He doesn't worry about his dry cleaning. He doesn't worry about his laundry. He doesn't have to worry about his groceries. He doesn't worry about anything. I pay all. The good thing about it, and I would recommend any, I wouldn't try to be like, say this about the men, but the women, I handled all the bills. I paid all the bills. I met with the accountant. I did all of the tax. I didn't do the taxes, but I met with the accountant for the taxes. I, I, I knew our financial advisor. I can't say it enough that women sometimes tend to let the man do that. I, I will never let a man do I, I did it from the beginning because he was never there. And I did everything. I could tell you to a dime what we owed on a car. I could tell you to the dime what we owed on our home. I could tell you what our credit card statements would be at the end of the month, for the most part. I mean, obviously the ones I had control over. But, you know, we, we had, I, I knew our finances pretty damn good. And I just would, would reach out to any woman to make sure that they are doing that because um, uh, I just found that very important. So anyway, um, as far as me, I'm just trying to um, not question so much. I, I don't know. I started, I wanted to go to a therapist. I, I went to a therapist and I asked if he wanted to come and he said, no freaking way. Um, I remember, um, telling him that I was really concerned. This was after 11, 12 years of marriage. I said, I'm really concerned about us. And, you know, um, you seem to work all the time. I don't know how anybody can do what you do without having an issue. Like given, like you can't be the energizer bunny and you're just go, 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 go without having a problem, a health problem. And you drink a lot. And I think you drink to, uh, relax um, and I just said that I, I'm sure he drank for other reasons, but I'm thinking I, I worry about you unable to relax. Oh, also too horrible sleeper. Anytime we ever, you know, and I say, you know, anytime he was home and we slept in the bed together, he would always be out on the couch, like at two and three in the morning. And I'm sure that was from drinking because drinking also affects your sleep. But I mean, the, the guy never slept. I was always weird. Like I would sleep like nobody's business. I was out. I'm a great sleeper. And he just never slept. And I always found that interesting. You know, are you stressed about something? Like what's going on? But it's just, I found out from his mother, it was all, he was just a terrible sleeper from the beginning. So I never really thought much about it. I just thought it was interesting that I always woke up alone. I always woke up alone. And I, I, I just thought to myself, I would like a marriage where I wake up with my husband and say, good morning. I, I never got that with him. And it just always, I was always concerned about that. But what I was doing was I got real busy with the kiddos. They kept me very busy. Um, I was, um, substitute teaching and volunteering. So I stayed busy during the day. In fact, um, I'll fast forward, uh, because the end is interesting. But uh, we were married um, uh, about, uh, hold on, I guess it was maybe about 16 years, um, maybe 15 years or so. And I decided to get a job at my children's elementary school working in the, I'm not a teacher, but I was going to work in the front office. And um, I got a job there and it's very poor pay, but it's, it's fun money. We didn't really need the money. So this was like going to be like put away for kids college or it was going to be fun money, vacation money, whatever. So I got the job and I liked it. It was, was fun. Um, off in the summers, off at spring break, you know how a, a teacher's position is. And he just made fun of it. He's like, that job's so beneath you. And I'm like, okay, I've been, I've been unemployed for 15 years. Like, this is fine. 
it's, I don't have to bring anything home with me. I mean, it's, it's a fun job. I know everybody there. Everybody knows me. Um, but he made fun of it. He said, I'm worth more at home. He didn't like me working. And he really, I, I kept that job for 18 months. I, I finished out a school year and then I did a whole nother school year. And, um, he talked me into quitting saying that I'm worth more at home and that he's making a lot more money and that I really don't need to work. And I believed him. And he said, really, you're better than that job. So, um, and you know, the kids, again, I was balancing, I was working, I was still doing stuff at the house, taking the kids because I believe maybe one, no, no one was driving at that time, taking them to their activities. And, um, and when he was home, then no one was home because we would be gone to, uh, practices and that kind of thing. And I remember him saying to me, you know, I would like for you to be home when I'm home. And I'm like, I'm, I'm with your child at their practice. Do you want to, do you want to come meet us? Or because the practices would be two hours long or so, because they were in competitive sports. And I'm like, look, I'd love to be home. Um, why don't we plan to go to these practices together? Why don't we plan to drop off at practice and go have dinner? And then we're going to go back and pick them up. We can still make, we can make it a date night on some of these nights if you want. But, you know, I don't think he, he, he never took up on that, you know? Um, so, um, you know, now we're getting later in marriage. Um, so he made, he basically asked me or said, you know, about the job and everything. And I believed him and I was like, okay, I mean, all right. He talked me into it. I kind of was like, the job's not bad, but it does pay really low. Like I am college educated. So maybe he's right. Maybe I could find a job making more money um, at a school, you know, and still have the summers off and don't bring work home with me. I can still maybe find a fun job, but making a little bit more than this. So I started to believe him. Um, and again, I didn't want any trouble. I was like, okay, well, if you don't really think I need to work or don't really, but I don't think he liked me having that independence. And, um, so as a matter of fact, we went on a overseas trip. We visited, um, a country in Europe that right at the, um, I guess it was summer of, I have summer of 16 and, um, he, um, that my money that I made from that job, you know, paid for that trip. Um, and I kind of made the joke, I go, you know, it's great that I had the job because it paid for this wonderful vacation that we're on. I made me feel good. I was like, for the first time I was able to like, you know, kind of pay for a nice trip for us. And he just kind of rolled his eyes. Like it was just, he dismissed me. So you mentioned, earlier that eventually you started to go to a therapist. Yeah, only went a few times. You went a few times. So what happened there? Well, um, you know, she recommended that he come with me. And when I asked him to join, he's like, I'm no, no freaking way. I'm not doing that. And I said, okay. And so I didn't go back. I went to visit her once or probably two times. And then she said, okay, do you think we can bring him in? Because I want to talk about our marriage. Like, I, I wanted to figure out why I feel such a disconnect. And there's no empathy. There's no emotion. There's no excitement. It was almost like uh, an empty shell. And I was really concerned for him. Like, he would laugh and stuff like that if the kids told him a funny story. Um, 
But remember, their their bond was tighter with me. I would know all their the friends. He would they would tell me stories about friends at school, and I would know those kids. And he wouldn't know. He felt left out. And now he didn't say that to me. But I I said, well, hey, you guys, tell your dad about him. I know him, but tell your dad about him so he understands the story more. Like I was always looking out for him to make sure that he didn't feel left out of any stories. Um, but I, I, I guess, yeah, I guess, you know, he just didn't think that he didn't want to go to therapy. And I was like, okay. Cause I know some men don't really like that. You know, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I just said, okay. So I dropped it. So, um, but now like, you know, here we are 2016, the, the trip that we went on was for my birthday. It was the end of our vacation. And not the whole vacation was bad, but that particular night was. But not the whole vacation. We had a good time. Um, but the last night we were there, we were on the beach. And he says to me, um, I knew he was out of wine. So he was going to go back to the little uh, little uh, shop and get wine to bring back on the beach. And he goes, hey, I'm going to go into our room and make sure we're all checked in for our flight. I'm like, okay, well, we've been on the beach for a while. I go, do you want to, we can all come in. He goes, no, 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 y'all stay. I'll go up and get us checked in. And I was like, okay. Uh, he was gone for like three hours. We're still on the beach. I'm like, how long, I know how long it takes to check in on United. It's not long. And to get seat assignments, it's not hard. Especially when you're like, uh, an executive member, whatever they call, not a premier, I guess premier member. Like it, it, it's, you can make a phone call and be like, okay, we're flying back to the States. You know, here we're going to be in first class. You know what I mean? Like it's not hard. And I think he was on the phone with someone and um, he stayed up in the room and talked with her and FaceTimed her or whatever. And then he went down to the little uh, shop and got his wine and everything and maybe you know, came back and drank and stayed up there, talked with her. I think he was seeing someone on that trip. And um, I didn't know. So that was like, I had no idea. In hindsight, I'm telling you that. At the moment, I didn't know. I just thought it was bizarre. It took, I, he came back down. I'm like, that took a long time. I think you've been gone like three hours. And he goes, yeah, I was on hold forever. And then it took so long to get the right seats. And meanwhile, I'm like, that didn't make sense to me. See, a lot of times he would tell me things and in my head. I'm like, that makes no sense. And if I questioned, then he gets mad at me. Normal relationships. If you say, oh, well, what they would say, oh my gosh, let me tell you exactly what happened. Or it's a little more open and they go, they can tell you exactly why that took three hours or whatever. And actually it wouldn't have taken three hours. I just, I just don't see how it took that long. But anyway, so we come back home. So this is summer of 16 and that it's almost like, it's almost like anything I did, he was pissed. I could, I could put a plate wrong. I could not pick up. I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it, it's, it was bizarre. It was like, it was a decent vacation with a couple nights that were not so good. But then we came back. It was like, he was done. And I thought, why is, what's going on? Like, it's bad. Something's wrong. And I reached out to his sister, who I'm really close with, and she's a therapist. She, meanwhile, I will tell you, 
She's been very close to us. She's she doesn't live uh, where we do, but she always came out for all the holidays, all the birthdays. Has followed us closely with our family. She is my kid's aunt. She has always told me he's an al- she's a therapist, so she's like, let me tell you something. Something's wrong. He's an alcoholic for one. She said, uh, I think you need to protect yourself and get a job, and that's why I got that job. And she was giving me all that she said, but she said. Um, He's, he said something wrong with him. Now, at the time, she, she actually said, she goes, he's, he could be narcissistic, like narcissistic personality. She said, but um, he's definitely an alcoholic. And so we were having problems. I said, I, I, I think we need some help here. And so she came out and, you know, had a serious talk with him and everything. And then she found us a therapist and he agreed to go. I was shocked. But we got the best of the best in our area. A very expensive therapist. Because, you know, only the best is going to do for my ex. And if my ex is going to go to a therapist, he's going to go to the best of the best. So we go. But what our therapist is, and this is summer of 16, our therapist wants to meet with me four times alone, meet with him four times alone, and then meet with us together for four times. So it's 12 sessions. So we do that. And at the end of the sessions of us together, um, she says, okay, um, she did question him about his drinking. He got ticked about it. But this was where everything is brought up. And he says he's not giving it up. She said, let me ask you, can, you've got, can you give it up? And maybe you have your Saturday night, you drink whatever you want. Whatever you want. But through the week, you don't drink. He said, I can't do that. So she also, you know, questioned him on other things, whatever. But anyway, at the end of the, the, the 12 sessions, you know, she said, okay, Let's do you guys want to do some more sessions? I think it would be beneficial. His ad was like, okay, yeah. His answer was, let us discuss it and we'll call you back. And I was like, okay, maybe he wants to, maybe he wants to talk about what we've talked about in therapy and we can maybe work on it together. Now we can, he can maybe, um, no, he didn't want to do any more therapy. What I found out later was the fact that he did the therapy because he was planning to leave me and nobody was going, he wasn't, you know, he, he had to show everybody, I tried. We went to therapy. So I'm a good person. But he was cheating on me with someone he worked with. And um, the therapy was just part of the part of his plan to show that he tried on our marriage, but it wasn't workable. And uh, again, I did not know. So that was the, the last session with her was in September. And then... Um, uh, a couple weeks later, I'm like, we do, you know, do we want to go back? Or I think maybe a week or two. Yeah, about a couple weeks later, it's like, well, do we want to plan some more sessions? He's like, no, no. And I was like, um, okay. And I said, well, what do you, what do we, you know, we do need to talk about stuff and figure out how we can, you know, meet in the middle on some things. And um, he um, he said, I want a divorce. I was shocked. I was shocked. I was sad. I, I felt like an elephant was on my chest. I couldn't breathe. I was heartbroken. I'm sad thinking about it. I, I never expected it. I never saw it. I check. I mean, let me tell you, remember, I do all the financials. There's no bank. I mean, there's no weird ATMs. There's no charges on credit cards. I had no clue. And I thought, he's got problems but I never in a million years thought he would cheat on me, ever. 
I don't know, call that naive. He's an alcoholic and he thinks he's better than, but I didn't know the term narcissistic personality. I didn't, I didn't know what that meant really. But in therapy with our therapist, you know, she gave me a book and it was called the wizard of Oz, the wizard of Oz and the narcissist or something like that. I recommend people getting that. It's the wizard. You can Google it on Amazon or whatever, but the wizard of Oz and the narcissist, um, it is phenomenal. And I read that book and she said, take a highlighter and highlight what, re- what, what resonates with you. And the whole book is highlighted. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the whole time. Now, um, when he did the, div- I was, I bet, and this is where, this is sad. What did I do in that moment? I begged him to stay. I begged him on my hands and knees, like I've never begged for anything in my life. I said to him, I will change. I will go to therapy. I'll do whatever I need to do to be a better person. I will change. But let's not divorce. We've been together 19 years. We've known each other 25. I don't, I don't want a divorce. We've got great kids. We've got a great life. And I don't want us to divorce. We can work on it. And he said, no. Well, I'm sorry. You know what he said? Let me think about it. And I said, okay. Like he gave me a nugget. Okay. So he was in town for that first week of October. And he, again, he was thinking about it, right? So I'm, I'm doing everything I could think of to change his mind. Um, these are things where I would do. I was, these were the same things I was doing before, but maybe I'm, uh, I don't know, like just, just trying to engage with him more and, you know, Hey, did I, do you want me to go get, you know, can I go get some salmon for tonight? And you want me to cook that? I mean, I was kissing his butt and I think he loved every minute of it. And, um, so at the end of the week, I said, he said, Let, I said, Wednesday, Wednesday, I said, have you, have you given it thought? He's like, no, I'm still processing. That's what he said to me. I'm still processing. I said, okay. So then as, as you know, he did this on purpose because he had to go out of town. So he was buying time. So then he went out of town for two weeks. And, um, he said, I, I said, um, you know, he said, when we come back, um, I'm going to, you know, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Before he went out of town, he said, yeah, I'm, it's, it's not gonna, it was like Saturday night or whatever, you know, and he's packing his bags to go overseas or something. And he said, yeah, he goes, I've made up my mind We're it's, we're going to divorce. I don't want, I don't, I want to divorce. And again, I'm begging, but I said, how, how can you just throw it away like that? Like without even trying, how do you know that, you know, I'm trying to talk him out of it. So, um, that, that day he is going overseas or that Sunday or whatever. And so he, he, um, left and I guess left in such a hurry to get out of the house that he left his passport, but, um, he didn't know it. So, you know, um, 
I, I and I, I, I will say, I think he left that Saturday night, and his flight was Sunday, and he was going to go stay in a hotel because that's when he said it's official. Like I said, then you can't stay here, so he left. But I think he went to her house, and then when he was flying out, he left his passport, and of course, you know, calls me, and I'm like, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. It's not your passport is not my problem anymore. Um, but anyway. So then he was gone, and then when he, he moved out of our house, Halloween, and, um, but I will tell you, the month of October, um, when we did talk, he would say things to me like, you need to lawyer up. And I'm like, why are you, why, what? I need to lawyer up. Like, what did I do wrong? Meaning, though, he was being, he was so mean about it. I will tell you the whole thing, you would think that, he was so mean to me that you would think that I was cheated or I did something horrible. And I never understood, like, he was, the discard was so mean. It was almost like he threw me out like I was trash, like, and he didn't even look back. Um, I did hire a PI, and so it did get mean because I was like, I know he's cheating on me. He wouldn't just, here's the deal, he can't be alone. And I asked him, I said, there's got to be another woman. He goes, no, you're an idiot to think I would cheat on you. You're delusional. And I'm like, you wouldn't just leave me for nobody. Sorry. You can't even be in a room without a TV blaring. Like, you don't want to be alone. So um, I hired a PI and caught him. And that was the best $1,800 I ever spent. Um, but, yeah, he, he was having an affair with a subordinate, and they both got fired. Um, and, um, but he gaslighted the whole time. I figured it out because obviously the PI and, um, he denied, denied, denied. And I had to fight tooth and nail to get, you know, um, in Texas, Texas isn't very good for divorce, but if you can prove adultery, you get an extra 5%. So, you know, I got 55% and he got 45, but they do not give you alimony. Um, but I, I mean, he fought me. He would, he fought me on everything. And I'm thinking, like I, if it weren't for me, you couldn't have the career that you had, <laughs> you know? And, um, it was ugly. Um, that was four, about almost four and a half years ago. Uh, the divorce was final in 2017 in February. Um, and, uh, I can speak about it now. It's taken me four and a half years to be able to speak about it. And that's what's so nice for me to call and like share this story. Um, he, he did marry, he did marry this person. Uh, she's terrible. (laughs) And I hear from my kids that they fight constantly and they're both alcoholics. So, uh, without going into too much detail, he married the female version of himself. And, um, my, my kids don't, my kids tell me things, but just so you know, they're not telling them for me to. They're telling me what they witness, and it's not good stuff. It's it's not good. There's a, a lot of arguing with them. There's a lot of door slamming. There's a lot of drinking. Um, it's a toxic toxic environment. So he married a toxic person like himself. Um, but uh, I'm with someone now, and and you know we're not married, and I'm glad. I mean I'm happy happy to date this person and everything, and um, so I'm happy. But it's just funny, like. I can't believe the end. Like, I have no idea how long he was 
cheating behind my back. I had no idea. And I hope that it was just her. I hope it wasn't others. So, you know, how was your healing process uh, from start to finish? And uh, like, what were the biggest things you had to deal with trying to figure out, uh, you know, did this person ever like me? Like what was real? What wasn't real? What was the biggest things for you to wrap your head around and uh, understand? You know, it was really tough for me. I was unemployed. Um, I cried for like a hundred and like 20 days straight, like legit. I cried every day. I lost a lot of weight. I was, I was really in a bad place. I read that book. I read other books. Um, I wish I had other titles to, to mention, but there's so many good books out there. And I, I had great girlfriends. His family surrounded me. His own mother would just, I mean, just hated him. And I mean, I know a mother is going to love their child, but she just said, I, I, I'm, I'm appalled at him and you're the best thing that ever happened to him and all this stuff. So I had the support of his family, of course, my family, but I don't live near them. I don't live near any of them, but I had really good friends. And if it weren't for them, I mean, there were some times, I'm not going to lie. There were times where, um, if it weren't for my children, I, I don't, and I did not convey a lot of stuff with my kids. So it's not like, I mean, they, they don't need to have the adult problems put on them, especially about their parents. I tried to keep things very, you know, um, I didn't hide. They saw me cry. Um, they, they, they've seen me, um, you know, you know, obviously cry, but you know, I've explained to them cause they, they see I didn't lie. I'm going to live in the truth. And I told my children, your father wanted a different life and he wanted a different person because they obviously know. I mean, he married her and I was, you know, uh, my ex wanted to say, he said, when we sat down the kids, the ex kind of portrayed it. It was mutual. This is mutual. We both want it. And I said, no freaking way. Am I going to display to anybody that this was mutual? I'm going to let them know they found someone else you want to be with. And you left me for her. So my kids knew that. I don't regret that at all. And I told my kids, you can decide what you think as you age. And they, and they did. They, you know, they, they learned, you know, um, they got, you know, my son said, you know, my son, and especially my son, he's like, I, I want to judge it. I don't, he goes, I know what happened. I'm not happy with what happened. I'm upset with my father, but I'm going to try to judge it on a clean slate. I said, absolutely. And he did. And he's like, it's not good. You know, it's not good. She's not good. She's terrible. And, you know, he, it, it's a bad situation and they're not good. And so I, I, it's, I've been lucky to have, you know, to have my kids kind of say those things to me and they tried to be non-judgmental, you know? Um, and, uh, because I, I hate the, the word when people say, Oh, he was drinking the Kool-Aid, but my kids, what do you think he did when all this happened? He bought them all kinds of stuff. Cause he has money. You know, he had all this money and I mean, he's buying them. He's buying their love. And I couldn't compete with that. 
So how I healed was day by day with the, with the, I tell you, with my friends, with people that listen to me, with reading, with trying really hard to train my brain when it went there to not go there and to try to be positive every day. And, um, I just tried my best because it would go. I mean, I, I had really bad times over the past four years. But it, 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 I tried to say, okay, you're think, get your mind off of that. Exercise helps, but get your mind, if you start to think about it and how bad it was, just know that one day it'll come back around. Whether it be a failed relationship again or a lost job. And you know what's funny is that karma has come around in my story. Um, he's lost another job, so he's unemployed, and he's miserable in his marriage. And that's what I kind of go with. Not everybody has or gets to hear that. I didn't, there's no social media. He's not on it. And, um, so I don't, and I don't, to be honest, I just, I, it's not good for me to dwell in all of that. And we have seen each other when our daughter graduated high school. Um, we, you know, we got to, I got to actually be around this woman. And it's not impressive at all, you know, and I think that helped me because she got really drunk at the graduation dinner and she acted a fool. And I just sat there and I said, this is so good. Like, this is awesome, you know, and, but it makes me sad to know that he left me for that. But I also think that he's not right. He's not right. And a lot of these people that tell their stories, the person they're not healthy. They're not right. And to stay with them would be a lifetime of like, like misery. And I would rather be alone than be with someone who has no respect for me at all or no love for me. That's waste. I, I'm sad that I wasted 25 years. I know you've got listeners that have less years and listeners have more. And so I would almost feel like celebrate that you're out of it. Even if it is hurtful, I will never get over being left for another woman. I have issues with that. Um, but there's nothing I can do about that. And it is part of my life story. And um, it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with me and everything to do with him and his ego and his low self-esteem and his alcoholism and, um, a whole slew of host of things that he has in his mind and his, you know, I, I, I it, but I, it took me four years to kind of get to that point. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I think everybody gets there at their own time. Um, but I see people and I hear it on some podcast or whatever that they're still hurting, like they still love them. I know a lot of people have heard, you know, that they still love him. I get that. But I loved what, I loved what, what he, I thought he was going to be. But not what he is. You know what I mean? Like what he is, is not something that I love. I, I love the ex that I thought his potential, you know, he was going to be a good dad and good, all of this, you know, good husband and all of this. And he wasn't, he didn't turn out that way. 
So if you have a final words of wisdom or advice for everyone out there, what would it be? Oh, geez. For um, avoiding people like this or just for uh, getting just, out just, of it? Or? No, just in general, like your experience of this, like what are, what are your biggest takeaways that you'd want people to remember? I just don't want people to be so down on themselves for wasted time. Um, uh, you know, what they did and, you know, to beat themselves up. Uh, I beat myself up thinking that I got on my hands and knees and begged him to stay. I will never beg someone to stay. Um, you need to know that you are, and I know this is so cliche, but it's true. Like you are so worthy of fun and laughter and good times. And maybe it takes you what I'll find that person. Um, but you got, and I know this is again, cliche, but you got to figure out like, how can I just be happy? What, what do I like to do that brings me happiness so that I don't need to find that in someone else? And if I find it in someone else, great. Like if I find someone that likes a shared interest and you know, all of that, that's great. I, I, I just think it's really hard. Nobody really wants to be alone, especially if you're extroverted. I think some introverts are okay with a lot of alone time, but if you're an extrovert like me, you know, a lot of alone time, you, you start to get sad, you, you know, it, um, but as far as final advice is, 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 um, I just hate hearing of people, you know, blaming themselves or feeling like that they aren't worthy. Um, and, um, I understand being in that moment for a little bit, but then you need to know, like it's it when you're dealing with these types of people, it it's doomed from it's doomed from the start. You just don't see it. You don't see it for a while. Um, and there's healthier people out there. Um, and uh, and 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 hopefully you 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 find someone. I can say that the the, the boyfriend that I have now. Is completely opposite from my ex. Now, not just to say that we have a perfect relationship, because we do have our problems here and there. But you know, the first time we had a disagreement, I, 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 I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about it. I, I didn't want to have the disagreement because I thought he was going to get mad and then like give me, you know, ghost, ghost me or ignore me and pout about it. It's taken me a long time. To realize healthy couples can have a disagreement and there's no punishment for it. Um, so it's just a learning process. And I don't know if I have a really final word for it. You know, it, it's, I don't know if I have like a really great final word, you know. I know you did good. I mean, you are, you know, this is one of those uh, relationships where it is a slow burn. Burn. <laughs> Yes. Where it is, you know, just it creeps up and it creeps up and creeps up and creeps up slowly, subtly, slowly, subtly, you know, with the time apart that you had to, um, you know, uh, you know, reset, you know, just, just, just a lot of resets. It's like it was uh-huh. cycles of abuse, but more it's like, you know, the neglect part and, 
and then it started to like really just pick up and go and go. And as soon as you started picking up that, putting up a fight, you know, those right. things didn't happen until like, you know, we were, we're like four or five years, six years, you know? So this is one of those stories that is really helpful because there's a lot of people going through this exact situation where it's these slow burns where all of a sudden you're like 10 years. How did this, where did this come from? How did this slow, it's, you know, it's amazing how quick life goes and it's amazing how quick the years go what is it the um the the days are long but the years are short or something like that and it's true you know i um i now that i'm older you know and i and i i i look back and i'm thinking all those uh, kids and i had such a great time childhood was great we had a great time and when all this happened our kids were shocked we never argued Mm. We never argued. We never fought. He, he didn't. The, 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 the anger that I saw early on, he never did again. Um, it, it was, they were shocked. And um, it was hard for them. And, you know, in your situation, I, I'm sure during your healing process, a lot of, you know, shame or uh, about certain things, which isn't, isn't your fault. And, you know, you were doing your, you were surviving in a way and yeah. doing what you thought you needed to do. Um, and all those things that were running you, especially, you know, wanting to save that, you know, the relationship, um, and putting towards your best effort. And you did a, you did a great job telling your story today and you should be proud of yourself. You should, you did a lot of work to get where you are, uh, in your healing process. Um, not a lot of people can get to where you are where you're not really dwelling on, uh, a, a lot of things and, and you've, um, you know, moved on and, and I can say moved on, you've moved through all of your pain and you've done work, uh, to get where you are. You understand everything that's happened and you're in a good place. And, you know, that's, um, for people who are listening, who might have been in a relationship as long as yours and are struggling, you're a real good example of you can get to where you need to be. You know, uh, there's a relationship that you can have after. It takes work, but you have to do the work to get there. And Absolutely. No, it's true. And it's true. I just don't want people to, to give up hope. Mm-hmm. And I think you're an example of, you know, someone who had hope for this one thing and it got taken away and... Uh, now you are a little beacon of hope for other people. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, Aww. thank you Aww. so much for being here uh, with me today and sharing your story. You did a great job. And I knew you at the beginning where you said like, I don't know if my story is worthy. Your story is worthy. <laughs> Everyone's story is worthy. Well, so, it's, it's it, like you said, it's a slow burn though. I mean, I, I've heard some of these stories and some wonderful women that are telling these crazy stories. And I don't mean crazy, but just like, I'm so like, like my mouth is dropped when I hear them tell some of their stories and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, you know, like I felt bad for some of the stuff they've been through. Um, mine is like I say, it's like the slow, the slow burn. And then you question and question, well, what did I do? What's going, you know, and then you wonder, is it me? You know? And, and so I don't know. I, I know that, um, when you're dealing with these types of personality disorders, it's really really like confusing, but you don't really know, you know, the first few times things happen, you're like, okay, was that me? Did I I misunderstand that? Or, you know, this is a, it's, 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 we're a a unique breed of people that have dealt with these kinds of people. And well, you're not alone. 
And, I know. And for everyone out there, from myself and Shay, we thank you for listening, and we hope you have a good night. <laughs>